Good morning, North Shore Church family. Have you ever wondered what would happen if you told God what you really thought or what you really felt? Have you ever thought you couldn't or shouldn't share what you're really thinking or feeling with God? And that could be either way. It could be positive or negative. You're feeling bad, sad, sorrowful, angry, and you shouldn't let God know that. You're doubting or struggling. Or you're doing really well. You are happy, you're joyful, you're content, uh, there's peace, and certainly you should feel bad about something or worried about something, and you don't want to let God know that. Or simply, do you simply desire to grow in genuineness in your relationship with God? Either way, this series that we're about to embark on is for you. We are seeking to spend a summer in the Psalms, and our series is called Straight from the Heart. What we mean by straight from the heart is that we're removing polite filters, not filterless, not reckless with our, with our words, but we're removing polite filters that can get in the way of us having genuine, honest conversations with God. And so, we see in the book of Psalms, there are filters that are being used regardless of whatever the prayer, the song, the conversation takes place. We see there's consistently filters used of God being true, God being good, God being faithful as they view whatever their circumstances that they're facing. And so we're going to continue in that same heart, in that same vein but God has always, always, always desired genuine, authentic relationship. It was the case throughout the entire Old Testament. That was a red thread. And it was the greatest rub that Jesus had with the New Testament Pharisees as they were contentious and they were pretentious and they were plastic and they were missing it, missing God's heart. And it's still true today. God doesn't want us to be heartless, mindless, scripted, and any of those things that can get in the way of us having a real relationship with him. It's always been the case. So as we get into the book of Psalms, we want you to know the book of Psalms is the book on prayer and song for all of God's people for all times. There's 150 Psalms within the book. And each of them were written by different authors at different times, going through different circumstances and having different conversations with God. Some of them capture best days. Some of them capture worst days. Some of them capture high praise or sad sorrow or great confessions. So if you find yourself sad or angry, or fearful, or confused, or frustrated about injustice, there's a psalm written from that same heart. If you are in awe of God and celebrating his goodness and fixed on him and his strength, there's a psalm written from that same heart. If you're feeling close to him and hearing clear from him and seeking him above all other things, there's a psalm written from that same heart. Our teaching team, teaching and preaching team, we went through the 150 psalms and prayerfully handpicked nine 
for this series for us to go through. Some of them are famous psalms, but we sought to do unique, distinct, varying psalms as we go. One of our criteria was going off of King David being the author of all nine. And so we want you to know that. As we think about King David, I want to ask you, when you think about King David in his masculinity, in his manliness, what comes to mind? Things like blood on his hands. He's a warrior. He was a champion. He got the girl. He was a king. He was a manly man. In thinking about David and his manliness, do you also think about him sitting down and writing poetry and writing songs and playing instruments in singing, in dancing, and having more than one emotion. I say that to say, King David, David brought all of who he was to God because that was all a part of him. And we want to encourage you to do the same thing. Church, take a risk with us. Step out in faith with us as we all seek to grow in genuine relationship with God, seeking to have honest conversations with God. After all, King David was known as a man after God's own heart, heart. And that is an example that we're following here in this. And so excited for you to have us here with this. We're going to start with Psalm 22 to lead us uh, at this time. Now, I titled this message, Permission to Speak, Speak Freely, God. And that will make sense more on point two and three, but permission to speak freely. I have in view or in mind that uh, lower lieutenant officer speaking to their high commander asking, can I just be honest with you, sir? Permission to speak freely. And so kind of out of that view, we are seeking to follow the examples given to us in Psalms, in the Word of God, and wanting to have those kind of same conversations with God. So with that, Psalm 22 has 31 verses, and we're going to first focus on the prophecy verses and then we'll get into the rest of the text, the rest of the point, and the heart of the passage. So, starting here, we look at uh, verse 1, verse 16, and verse 18. Permission to speak freely, God. God, thank you for foretelling. Thank you for foretelling. In other words, prophesying. That's one of two parts of prophecy, foretelling and foretelling. Okay? So, thank you for foretelling. Psalm 22.1, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Latter part of verse 16, they have pierced my hands and feet. Verse 28, they divided my garments among them and for clothing, my clothing, they cast lots. Those three verses are very specific speaking about messianic prophecy. In other words, what Jesus was going to endure. As God came down, what he was going to endure. That verse one, those verses should ring bells with us that have been Christians for some time. Verse one was the prayer, the words Jesus said from the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As he became our sin and took on our sin and took on our punishment, 
That is what came out of his spirit, out of his mouth, to his God. As sin separated him from the fathers, he became it. My God, my God, why? Where are you? Why have you forsaken me? And then it literally says that his hands and feet were pierced, which was not invented at that time. It wasn't until 200, 300 years later that the Roman government created crucifixion as a way of capital punishment. And so foretold how the Messiah was going to die and what was said, what was literally the words and the prayer that was going to come out of his mouth. And then thirdly, what the guards were going to do, what was going to happen with his clothes, that they were going to gamble for his clothes. And so, permission to speak freely, God, God, thank you for foretelling. Thank you for knowing what was going to take place, speaking to it so that we could look for it, and once it happened, we could go, wow, no way which is exactly what Jesus did in Luke 24, 44. And I want you to read this and see this with me. He says here, Then he said to them, These are my words. This is the resurrected Jesus, post-cross, raised from the dead, Easter, right? He came back to his disciples and said, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms were fulfilled. And surely he was making reference to this Psalm, Psalm 22. There are dozens of uh, Psalm verses that spoke prophetically to events and things to come. So it's a piece of it. It's important for us to highlight, especially with this significant Psalm 22. But I just want us to pause here in this and just thank God. God, thank you for having a plan. Thank you for being powerful and seeing the entire world history, human history, from a distance, being in control even when it seems crazy, and speaking to what's to come for us to know what to look forward to. And then once it happens, knowing, God, you only could work out such intricately woven details. Praise you. Not to mention the specific prophecy fulfilled. Jesus, thank you. I know it cost you everything. Thank you. Thank you for taking on our sin and becoming our sin. And Jesus, thank you. Thank you for taking on our punishment that we wouldn't have to because you loved so much. Permission to speak freely, God, thank you for foretelling. Amen? Such good, such a good part of the story and God being good. As we continue on to, into our next part, I just want to take a moment to pause and pray as we lead into where we're going next, okay? So, let me pray. God, where are you? Where are you? I talk to you, but then I don't hear back from you. Where are you? I know others who trust in you, and I see what you've done in response to them and how you've answered their prayers, how they trust in you, and you have shown yourself faithful. God, I don't understand. Yet, 
My hope is in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Did that push anyone's religious buttons? It's a hard prayer, not a normal prayer for sure. But that's exactly where Psalm 22 goes. Permission to speak freely, God, point number two, but I don't understand you. I don't understand you. Let's read here, verse 1 through 11. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you don't answer, and by night I find no rest. Yet you're holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel, and you, our fathers, trusted. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued, and you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I'm a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by my people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their head at me. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust at my mother's breast. On you was I cast from birth. And from my mother's womb you've been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. Wow. And if you think I'm being overly dramatic, I encourage you to read that. Read the heart of what that said. This is a few things, three things that I hear from David in this prayer. I hear him say, God, I don't understand why you're quiet at times, why you allow these hard things to continue, and why you say no. And I say that to say, I'm calling out to you, and you're not doing anything about it, therefore, that's a no. It's not a yes. It's not a yes. And so, let's look at it. Quiet at times. Why is God quiet at times? This is something that I've personally struggled with big time a handful of times in my 20 years of following Jesus. He seemed to have spoken so clear and shown up in loud ways earlier in my days, but then what happened? Where are you, especially when I need you? And It's good to be able to self-reflect on that and ask some important questions. Is there sin that's in the way? Is there things that I'm I'm holding on to or there's some secret sin that I need to address that I haven't? Okay, you got to ask yourself that question. That's a good, appropriate question. And then there's other questions where I've asked of like, am I doing something wrong? Is there some secret thing that I don't know that I'm supposed to be doing that, that I'm not doing? And in working through that, which it's worth asking those as well, to go, no, no. So, so what? So what is it? And so I look around, and I see, are, do other people experience this as well? I mean, there, people have been Christians for thousands of years now. Have others experienced this? And then looking to the Word, have others experienced this as well? And I'm comforted to see yes. It is something that the majority of Christians experience, a dry time, a desert time. And and so in that, a couple examples I want to bring to your attention, one of them being Solomon. God spoke to Solomon as Solomon became king, and he said to him, what can I do for you? 
Solomon responded, give me wisdom to lead your people. And then it was 20 years later that God spoke for the second time, 20 years later. Probably my favorite passage in this, and I want you to read it with me and and draw your attention to it so you can see what I see. And it's 1 Kings 18.1. It says, after many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. After many days. So literally, this is Elijah, the great prophet, and it wasn't three days later. It was years later, after many days. And so even he experienced that. It's something that happens. It's something that happens. There's a few things I've learned in this process. One of them was probably the biggest time that I was struggling with this was uh, I had been a Christian for 10 years, and so that was 20 years ago. It was 2010. I guess it was 11 years at that point. 2010, and it was in my utmost for his highest, May 1st devotion, that spoke, that got my attention at a whole different level and spoke clearly to what my struggle was. And basically what was said was, God spoke in a special way at a special time. And that is called special. Don't make that special circumstance the normative standard that you expect whenever you want. The normative standard is simply for you, Christian, to do your duty, to be faithful to him, and not set this high expectation that God always has to do this, and you're not going to move unless he does, because most likely you're going to be sitting for a long time, and eventually you're just going to be disappointed. Don't manipulate God and demand God to do what you think he should do. That's up to him when he chooses to do these unique, specific, miraculous, strong, powerful ways of showing up or speaking. So, Let that be up to him. Secondly, was just serious, uh, just the thought of if God resolved every sniffle I had or struggle or bruise I get in this world, in this life, which does happen, if he just resolved and showed up and rescued me every single time, what would that create in me? That would create me to be a very dependent infant. I would never grow up. I would never grow up. And that's not different for me than it is for you. It's still true for you too. God desires us to grow in spiritual maturity, to be like him. And so he does use hard things to grow us up. Romans 5 says that well. He likes developing character. It's something that God does and he does it really well. And then lastly, God was not silent. Why aren't you speaking, God? He's not done talking. He did talk, and he's still talking. His word is alive and well and still speaking, and he still has something to say. And so we can go to that every single day. So permission to speak freely, God. Why are you so quiet? God, thank you for bringing some wisdom and truth into that. Secondly, 
permission to speak freely, God. Why do you allow such hard things at times? I'm going to spend just a, as this is very multifaceted and very complicated for each of our stories and unique stories. I just I I don't want to oversimplify it or do it injustice, but I mean there's books written on this, and so I'm just going to really skim the surface and speak a little truth into it. Okay. The question really is, if God is true and good and powerful, why does he allow such hard things to happen at times and such struggle or suffering at times? That is a good question. Don't be afraid of that question. That's a good, appropriate question which to which there's answers to. And I'm continuing to learn and grow and struggle through answering that, trying to reconcile the two of those things. So, and... Come, this comes into one of my favorite quotes from Experiencing God, and it says this, and it's comforting for me. If you doubt that God can love you and still allow you to experience difficult experiences, look no further than the life of Jesus. Right? And it's true. Why did God come down? Why did God come near? I want to point you to Hebrews 4.15. And I want you to read it with me so that you can see it with me. See what I see. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize, keyword, with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. And that word sympathize, we don't have a high priest, Jesus, who is unable to sympathize with us. That Greek word is made up of two Greek words, which means suffer with. Suffer with. We don't have a high priest who is not able to suffer with us, but we have one who did suffer with us. So that, literally it says, in every respect, he's able to understand our humanness and our human experience. So why, God, do you allow such hard things at times? Jesus understands. Jesus understands your pain, your suffering, your struggle. He understands. And he is a sympathetic high priest. Amen. Amen, amen. And then lastly, why are we being told no? God, I don't understand why you're saying no. This comes from I'm in a painful place, I'm in a painful situation, why aren't you removing this? It sure seems like it would be a good thing to remove this pain, this hard time, this struggle. Why are you not removing this hard thing from my life? And uh, I, I came across this, uh, this quote, it's from a famous playwright 100 years ago, and I think it says, well, a little bit of oversimplification, but there's a lot of truth still in it, so don't miss that. In this world, there are two tragedies. One not getting what one wants, and another is getting it. If, you don't get, if I don't get what I want, I turn into a brat, fleshly speaking. And if I always get what I want, I turn into a brat, fleshly speaking, absolutely. And guess what? It's no different for you. The same is true for you, and God knows this. And so it really comes back to a parenting move. 
good parents know they need to tell their kids no, and they do that. Even though kids hate it, right? Right? As a kid, we hated it. Kids watching, we hate being told no. But parents understand the better thing. And so even though good parents don't like telling their kids no, they know it's actually better to tell them no versus what always telling them yes produces. Because if you always tell your kid yes, what it produces is called a spoiled brat, spoiled child, right? We have that terminology. It spoils them. It ruins them. And they're not fit for the real world. It's sad when parents don't tell their kids no, and it spoils them. They really struggle. And so it's actually better to tell them no and protect them from themselves and the world and what they will subject them, be subjected to in this world. And so God knows this. God understands this. And he asks you a question in this. Even though I tell you no, will you trust me? Even though I tell you no, will you follow me? Will you still be loyal to me even though you don't understand or it's confusing? In comparison, the foretelling, we look back and see, wow, I can't believe you did this. These things, why are you quiet? Why do you allow it being hard? Why are you saying no? These things are confusing in the moment, and we don't understand. And God is asking, will you trust me? Will you surrender, even though you don't understand, will you surrender your emotions to me and your thoughts to me and follow me? Permission to speak freely, God. God, thank you for foretelling but I don't understand you, yet you are my hope. Let's read here in verse 19 through 24. But you, O Lord, be, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horn of the wild oxen. I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him. And stand in awe of him, all of you offspring of Israel. For he has not despised or abhorred the afflicted, afflictions of the afflicted. And he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. That, my friends is always, always, always the response. Through the 150 Psalms, the entire book, that is consistently done every time. When they struggle, whatever the writer is, whatever the circumstances are, I am struggling here with this. I don't understand this, God. Where are you, God? But my trust is in you. I know you are true. I know you are good. I know you are faithful. I know you are faithful. So, for us, as we seek to reconcile, God, I know you're true, you're good, you're faithful, and this hurts. How do I reconcile the two of those? In following the psalmist's example, our encouragement, my encouragement to you is don't give up 
what you know about God to be true for what you don't know. Don't give up what you know about God to be true for what you don't understand at this time. It really kind of brings us to this question of will you choose to give up or grow up? And it's a hard question, but it's worth asking. When things are hard and you don't understand, are you going to give up? Are you going to give up on God? Are you going to give up on others? Are you going to lose faith and follow the enemy's temptation to despair? Or are you going to press in and go, God, obviously I don't understand you. Help me understand you. And I hold on to these things that I do know to be true about you. And so give up or grow up. God desires us to grow up, to be like him, to grow in spiritual maturity in pursuit of him. And that is where life is best. Still can be hard, still can be painful, but that's where life is best. I want to share, in wrapping up my message here, um, a, a journal entry that I did out of my own prayer journal. As I went through the psalm, this Psalm 22, it reminded me, and it felt very familiar with uh, my own journal entry. And so, so I, in vulnerability, step out with you to share my own personal prayer journal, which Psalms is very much that for David. It's a prayer journal to God, sharing raw thoughts and feelings. Now, I don't think he knew it was going to be published for millions of people to read for thousands of years, but uh, so here you go. In, in the spirit of David, I, I, I do this too. So as a journal, this is a, a small window into a day, and this happened to be a hard day, okay? Um, so as Psalm 22 reflects that same truth, okay? God, what am I supposed to do with how hard so many things in life are? It seems like almost everything is a struggle or is complicated. How am I supposed to process that? Is life good? There are good things in life and good parts of life, but it's overwhelming how many parts of life are hard or a struggle or are just so complicated. It seems to dominate. Is it just perspective and being off in perspective, focus on the bad and that's what your attention is? Or is it legitimate, constant struggle? Where is the peace? Where is the joy? Where is the hope? You say, in this world you will have troubles, but take heart, I've overcome the world. You say, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. You were anointed with joy more than anyone else. And we are to focus on the sweet prize, run that race. And so life is an endurance run, and I'm tired, and my heart and mind are tired. It seems like I catch a break here and there only to return to struggles, and struggling seems to be the more normal day-to-day -day thing. What am I supposed to do with this? Am I just negative and ungrateful and unappreciative and pessimistic, glass half empty, Am I just tired? Am I right? Is it both? Am I just weak? 
Do I lack faith? God, what do you want from me? And then I scratched out from, because I was thinking, God doesn't want something from me. So I said, what do you want of me? And this is what I wrote. This is my conclusion to the struggle. To look to you. To trust you are at work. To believe you'll work all for the good. To trust you don't waste or hurt. To trust heaven is the ultimate prize and goal. To know you know my pain and you want me to process my pain. And to look to you for help. To talk with you about my struggles. To appreciate the good. To worship you in it all. Good days, bad days. To be real before you and others. To be dependent on you moment by moment. To continue to learn and grow. To resist Satan's schemes, temptations, and despair. To help others in their pain and suffering. To help others hold on to their faith in you. And to be present. God, teach me. Teach me, strengthen me, and help me. And that's something that I've been, that similar prayer has been something I've been working through, honestly, over the past five years. It has felt more normal. And so in this, in this time here, we want to, we want to ask you, we want to bring it to you in your genuine pursuit of God and honest conversations with God and help you process some things here now. And so we're going to take this last time here in a time of reflection and ask you some questions and have you reflect on some questions. And then we'll finish here with praying a couple scriptures. So join us here in this time.